0: Hello, welcome to the Scotch and Smokes podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Seth.
1: And I'm Jesse.
0: This is episode number 10 of this fan podcast about Mad Men. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the Mad Men episode, The Other Woman. You can find us on the web at madcast.net. You can also find us on iTunes and Facebook if you look up Scotch and Smokes. So leave us a comment about Mad Men in general or just a specific episode or your thoughts. Again, this episode, The Other Woman... I think it's going to go down as a uh, one of the big episodes of season five, if not one of the big episodes of the series. Any initial comments before we delve into it?
2: I know everybody's going to be talking about Joan and Peggy, but I am more and more disgusted at Lane than ever.
1: Yeah, it is in a lot of ways a very dark episode and was really surprised... They went there, but I enjoyed the ride. How about, is that specific and vague enough? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I would say that I thought it was a very good episode, but I didn't enjoy the episode. Put it that way. Yeah. Uh, Where to begin? I guess this episode starts with Peggy seeing from the other side of the glass, everyone else, enjoying the fruits of, of labor, basically, of the jaguar pitch idea committee putting things together and the lobsters there and she's on the outside looking in. And I guess that's what really starts to tip her over into not just displeasure, but full out looking for some other options and a serious look.
1: This has been a slow burn. She has felt undervalued and underappreciated all season. Let's go back where at the end of last season, she signed the pantyhose people that was an influx of cash that kept the agency moving. And that was overshadowed by Don getting married. So she's now going on the Cologne account right there on the phone. They originally want to go, well, say that you're his subordinate. No. Equal? No, I'm his supervisor. You know, she's not even in that meeting with the stupid creative people. And she comes up with a great idea. They're on the fly I mean, Ken stands up and silently, you know, gives her a standing ovation, and no one cares. She is the Buick in the garage, to put right. it back in the other storyline, right? Yeah. Right.
2: Peggy has always looked at Joan and now Megan a sort of askance at them because, in a way, I think she always wanted to be with Don, In in a way, at least. And she's always kind of, I don't know if I want to use the word jealous, but... She knows she's different from Joan, and she knows she's different from Megan. And I thought the fact that Joan gives her a glance as Peggy is walking out the door at the very end of the episode, I don't think that was by accident. I mean, it was just showing the two models of how to succeed in business as a woman. Joan used her body, let's put it bluntly. Peggy always used her mind. And look who's walking out the door, and look who's become a partner in the firm now, Can you live with yourself? Can Joan live with herself for doing what she did? You know, probably less than Peggy can. So it's just a good contrast, I think. That's been the case the whole five seasons, really, with Joan and Peggy.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I felt Peggy's pain. You know, you've got these freelancers in there. They're all sitting there pitching, trying to come up with ideas. And they bring in lunch for them. And I thought it was great to see... Her old mentor. Freddie Robson. Dro- yeah, Freddie. And I thought it was interesting. He's like, Yeah, if you decide to move, it would be okay if I uh try to go back in there as well, wouldn't it? Right.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so I wonder how much he's, you know, selfishly asking her to, to move on. Yeah. So
2: Yeah, and speaking of selfish, I mean let's just jump to Lane and his shenanigans with Joan. My goodness. My goodness.
0: Yeah, that was uh, disappointing to me. After all they had set up this season you know, with them, he's really just out for himself, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, but the, yeah, it, it doesn't it really illustrate how desperate this guy is?
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he is.
2: is. He doesn't want to pay Joan. If she gets a partnership, she'll get 5%, presumably, at the end of the year. But he does not want to go into the cash and yeah. give her cash now. Well, he doesn't want to go back to the bank and ask for $50,000 because he's already done that. But he doesn't want to let the other partners know that, obviously. So he cooked up that whole thing about the partnership, and now Joan is a a partner.
1: Lane is weaving this scam, this this deceit, and the walls are tumbling down. Do you think the whole
2: company could come down because of this?
1: No, I just think him. I think he is just Mm -hmm. getting further and further boxed in. And, you know, finally even burped. Look, is this about the bonuses again? There are no bonuses. How many more times do I need to tell you this? Let's move on. Now, I do think in the long run it may be better for Joan if she was going to do this despicable act to be a partner. To have a voice at the table. So I think he self serves himself. I mean, self serving and tries to lie to himself. Well, I am helping her, but this was all about not getting him exposed, delaying the, n- yeah. the inevitable.
2: The scenes between Lane and Joan this season have been you know, terrific. I still think that Joan's going to pick up on the improprieties that Lane has done. Wasn't it established that he even said that Joan really is his right hand and she can do everything in the books and he barely knows what's going on if it weren't for Joan? I mean, he said that at the beginning of this season when she was still out of the office with the baby. He, yeah. he was pleading with her to come back. So my guess is that she's going to pick up on this on his improprieties, and then the question is, will she expose him or not?
1: I do not think this has been a very good storyline with Lane. We've talked about this. It seems like he would have gone to ask for help. I mean, Pete, when Pete couldn't make the partner's call last year, I believe, when they were short Mm -hmm. of cash, he went to Lane to talk to him, and Lane says, oh, well, Don's already taken care of Yeah, Don took care of your share. I just am not sure... Of course, they have been consistent that he has been struggling with money for a while.
2: Right. Well, then, you know, you talk about the unlikelihood of his character doing that. What do you, Brian and Jesse, what do you think of Joan? Would Joan have slept with somebody for the good of the business?
0: The thing about this episode that, you know, I still try to wrap my head around, and again, I reiterate, I, I thought it was a well-done episode, but I just it was just so icky on so many levels. I just I mean, Pete, I can see cuz he's a weasel. He was just like from the get-go willing to just like trade. He trade Trudian for the Jaguar account. You know, he doesn't he doesn't care.
2: Well, he, he sort of asked her to dangle herself in front of a publisher friend of hers a few seasons ago to get one of his Short stories published, remember that,
0: right, yeah, so he actually did, yeah, and so with Lane, I was just thinking, as you guys were talking, I was like, what would he have done if he did not have eight thousand dollars I mean, and it's for him, eight thousand dollars is a lot for Peggy, but for him, I mean, eight thousand is not a lot. we've we talked about this before, but God, could he just like found someone to like give him the money, but if he didn't have this extra thing to worry about, I don't think he would have ever pushed her to do it for 50000 or for a share of the partnership or for any amount of money.
2: Yeah, of course. My question is also, you know, where does it end? I mean, does this guy who betted Joan from the Automotive Association, does he come back later and say, hey, you know, I didn't want a one-nighter. I want a little bit more. His name was, I think, Herb. So I'm wondering about that. But on, you know, on the other hand, yeah, I'd like to hear what, what you think, Jesse. W- would Joan have done this?
1: Obviously, she did. Well, she did, but I mean. But I was shocked that she did. And I do think part of it is that she felt like no one was on her side. Right. right? First off, she's shocked that Pete came to her. And by the way, let's just talk about how sleazy Pete is. Again, the way he did this. Oh, I don't even know how I should bring it up, but uh, I'm going to bring it up, you know, just God, horrible. And then she said, you can't afford it. And he tried to spin it to the partners. She was almost amused. Maybe she didn't realize how much we would give this. Mm. And then when she said, even Roger, you know, mm. she really had thought that Roger with their bond would have been no way.
0: Yeah. I, well, that's the other thing I was going to bring up too. Is like, I could see Lane's reason for it as, pathetic as it was. And I can see Pete doing it because he's just a weasel and a total asshole. Roger, that one surprised me because yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. And I mean, you could say, okay, he did it. And there's, you know, he he really wants the business to succeed, but I just thought it was not in character for him to, I mean, he just rolled over so quick. It was like, eh, okay. She want to do it fine. I mean, that's a mother of his, you know, illegitimate child, but I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know. That one didn't quite work for me. Huh. And then the question about Joan, would she have done it? I mean, the thing is, I mean, she was insulted by it, but when someone offers you this money, and for us, like, well, $50,000, it's hard to, like, compare that to, like, today's money. And they had this whole scene written in where she comes home and her mom's like, the refrigerator's broken. Yeah, And it's like, it's just compounding, well, I have all these issues. I can't even have a working refrigerator. I have to have that working because I have a child. And that was very intentional, that little element of the story. The writers put in, and I think she was just like, you know, something that Pete said about, you know, we all have these one night stands that you regret, and this is just a thing you could just forget about it. And I guess she just was like, well, I've been using elements of my sexuality in the past to, yeah, get me forward, and this is just a component of that. It's a much more just disgusting one, but I guess she thought it, the balance of it was worth it.
1: You know, it's four times her salary, if the website I read is correct, is that. The extra grand is worth forty five hundred and two thousand ten dollars. That's over two hundred thousand dollars in today's money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the old joke, right? What kind of girl do you think I am? Well, we've established that, now we're haggling over price. Right. I love the fact that Don was pissed off about it. Especially after last week with them kind of bonding together. They've always had a special bond and seeing that you know, so currently, and then him being so upset, and then him actually going to her apartment once he learns, and love the twist they did with that.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good twist compared to, again, that one episode of the season, which I didn't care for with the time shifting. This one, it made sense. It was done well. It was something that you could see that, oh, he actually showed up too late. You have to wonder, would she have made any kind of different decision if he had gotten there sooner or if she had to go out later. In this instance, it felt like the creative choice for that scene worked. And I wonder if they even purposefully had the previous episode with the time shifting. That one was done to excess, I still think. But I wonder if that was kind of there to prepare you for another episode later on down the line, which was this one, where they did another time shift and you weren't like just totally shocked by it. Because you could see this one and you're like, okay, well, they've done it earlier this season, so I see what they've done there. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I just know that the way it was filmed, you thought she ignored what he said. And she was just going ahead. And, God, it was a painful scene watching her stiffness and how uncomfortable she was with Herb. She even says, you know, you're mixing your metaphors, you know, or those two different <laughs> stories. Yeah. And... I guess sometimes the show can be very obvious, but I thought it was effective having Don's pitch at the same time as her seduction. Was
2: yeah. it, it, it was effective, but it was, it was sort of hitting you over the head, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was. And well said, Seth. Effective, but certainly not subtle, and usually this show's a little more subtle.
0: Well, I don't think there's anything subtle about this episode. I mean, the whole <laughs> thing about the mistress and all the numbers that were being written down and the mm-hmm. name your price. And the, this one, I mean, it wasn't an anvil in the head, but it was done well. But it was I, like you're right. It wasn't very subtle in presentation.
2: Unlike a lot of people, I, I thought it was totally in character for Joan to do what she did. Let's face it. I mean, she is not an angel. She's not been an angel. She's had affairs with... At least one married man that we know of, and she's kind of made her career being sort of a—I hate to say it, and I'm sure people are going to be upset with this when I say it—but sort of like a a bouncy, sort of—I uh, don't know—a bouncy redhead. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you remember the scene in—I think it was season three or season two—when the Japanese came to get some business pitched at them from Sterling Cooper, and one of the Japanese men and he didn't say it in English, it had to be translated, but basically he said, how does she stand up without falling over? I mean, it's, she's, she's window dressing. That's probably the best. She's a smart lady. She's a very accomplished lady, but she's window dressing there at the agency. In fact, going back to my earlier point about the contrast between herself and Peggy, I'd say she's every bit as bright as Peggy, but she specifically didn't want to get into copywriting. She didn't want to use her talent, her brains, her intelligence. She was using something else. Now, once she got into the office manager position, she was very good at it. They couldn't have started the new agency without her. Remember, they bring her in. Roger brings her in that Sunday night when they are bolting from the British owners to start out their own agency. I mean, she knows where everything is. So She was yeah. the linchpin of that agency, even though she wasn't even there at the time. She was gone. Right.
1: And so he knew, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I'm not surprised that Joan did this. I mean, I would have been surprised if she didn't do it. I really yeah. I really am. And I think, you know, Don, I think he's somewhat of a, he's kind of a holier-than-thou at times. He protests about Joan, but heck, I mean, how many affairs has he had? You know, let's, right. let's face it here. Come on. As he fired Sal Romano, he said to Sal, who do you think you're talking to? I yeah. e, I know who you are, Sal. I saw what you did in that hotel in Baltimore. Who, who yeah. you th- you know, who do you? so I would say to Don if I could. You know, who do you think you're talking to? I know who you are. You're a, a sort of a serial philanderer for many many years. So why are you so upset about this offer to Joan? My goodness.
0: Well, I think he sees a distinction though. He has his own moral code, and I think his moral code is different, and he does see a distinction, and I think some people could, that sure, he has his affairs, and he has these other things, and he's dealing with people, I think it's like consenting adults are are doing it, and Mm -hmm. in his mind, it's like it's not, it's different because, again, he comes from a... His background is he grew up in a house, a house yes. of prostitution. There's right. a scene earlier this season where they're in that house right. Right. of prostitution, and he's just like, I'm not in for this. This is not right. for me. And I'm, yeah, I think he, I even if he, had been with, if he had been with Betty, I think he still would have been there and been like, no, I'm not, not doing this. And yeah. I think for him that's a line that he does not yeah. think should be crossed, and it's not appropriate or it's just demeaning to maybe both parties. I don't know. But for him, there is a distinction there.
1: I'm always fascinated when you try to show the creative process and what makes you think something. And watching Ginsburg see Megan, she's his jaguar, right? She's his unattainable. She just comes and goes however she pleases, which leads him to the thought of the pitch to Don that makes it. And, you know, Peggy found Ginsburg. Not Don. You know what I mean? It's one thing if you can say, well, I built this team, and so I still, it's part of my skill is finding good people around me that as I get older to build on them. You know, Peggy built this team. She found it. So Don did not come up with a great idea. Ginsburg did. Now, Don pitched it, and he pitched it well. It's going to be interesting what they're going to do without Peggy there. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of why Don was so, part of why he was so upset about it and why he's holding her hand and kissing her hand and won't let it go. And he's worried about the future of the agency. I mean, he clearly is having trouble thinking up new taglines and new ideas, and he's relying on the younger set there. And Peggy's one of the most crucial parts of that younger set.
1: Absolutely.
0: His response when Ginsburg told him the line and he kind of just goes, ah, you're like, yes, that's that's the one. And, you know, it wasn't one of those responses where he was like, oh, damn it, I should have thought of that. But he just genuinely was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's it. Good job. But, you know, this is like the second time now where Ginsburg has had the idea, like the snowball pitch. Don won the, the client with his idea, but only because he left Ginsburg's in the taxi. We're seeing in this season that Don's mojo, he's still got it, but it's not quite at the peak of his powers anymore. He's not quite there. And now he's lost Peggy. Not only has he lost Peggy, but he's lost her to his nemesis. For him to lose Peggy to that guy, it's it's a double salt on the wound.
1: He says that. Well, of course you are. Or something along that lines. Weren't they the agency? They tricked them into thinking they were doing a TV commercial? For Toyota. Or Honda? Yeah, Yeah, it's for Honda, sorry. Peggy was driving it around. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, in the, in the, little, the, yeah. in
1: the studio, yeah. I really enjoyed the way you made it clear that this was a hard decision for Peggy, but once she made it, she was convinced that I've got to try this on my own. Yeah, and oh yeah.
0: So, what happens to Peggy then? I mean, this is one of those things where she leaves the agency, and as we've seen with like characters that are not there, like Joan had some time earlier in the season where they showed her in her apartment and whatnot, but eventually she came back. Betty is outside the office, and of course, she's not as seen as much. So, what? What becomes of Peggy? Is she now have like scenes adapting to the new office or is she going to be like just off for a while? I don't know the story of maybe is Elizabeth Moss (laughs) have some other acting commitment that she had to be gone for the rest of the the, the latter part of the season. You know, these are things you just don't know.
2: I don't think we know. Of course, the hope is that she's not. I mean, the hope is that she's part of the show. Some people feel that the show is all about her. And that Don is a character in the show, but the show really should be called Mad Women. And it's more the story of the women of those days, starring Peggy and maybe co-starring Joan. A few seasons ago, co-starring Betty Draper as well. Um, I mean, the men, we know what the men are all about. It's the women who are gaining and the women's roles are changing at that time. Yeah. We we hope that Peggy's not away from the show too long.
0: I'm pretty sure she has to come back because like you just said, it's almost her story as well. It's like, yeah. It's the young apprentice who is learning from the master and then, you mm-hmm. know, eventually moves on. And it's, in a way, you're right, it is her story, and I can't see her not being in it. If all the other characters, anyone else, they could almost get rid of, and it would be, mm-hmm. they could survive that. But I don't, mm-hmm. see, I, I don't see her not being in the show. I think in this show, she can come back, and, and it wouldn't be difficult for her, too. She's not somehow, you know, killed off. Literally, it's a departure from the agency. She's not, like, gone.
1: They have set the precedent at the end of the third season, right, when they are leaving the British company. Don pitches to Peggy that he will spend the rest of his career trying to hire her.
2: If she doesn't come over to the new Sterling Cooper Draper Price, yes.
1: I agree with you. Elizabeth Moss is too important to the show. And as far as I know, they're not doing a West Wing reunion movie. (laughs) where zoe needs to go (laughs) so yes i am assuming she is back for we only have one or two episodes left and of course next season
0: how about megan let's bring her up briefly she just to complete this whole theme about the women and what their use and and how much they're worth and she's going for an audition and then of course she gets there and really they want to just they want to check her her. out
2: like a car, like a piece yeah. of meat. Let's face it; it's terrible. It's and I think
0: she, I think she recognized that and was just really disappointed by it.
1: Yeah, and I think once again we've we've been good at picking up things, and I hate to spend time patting ourselves on the back, but so I think you should though. Go right ahead. There, there is a volatile relationship that is yeah. because him immediately. Wow! Not. I didn't know you'd be gone that long. And she's, mm. that's because you didn't think I'd be successful in, you know, the fighting. But I loved her point. I truly mean it when I say I want you to be successful. I thought that cut pretty deep and was a very true statement.
0: Yeah. I thought his line, too, where he said, just keep doing whatever the hell you want, was. A key line because that was just an amplification of things he's been saying. He's been saying, you want to quit the office? Okay, you can do that. You want to go pursue acting? You can do that. And now he was just like saying exactly the same thing, but he just made it a little bit angrier and more forceful. It's the same words, but not with the same backing and the same support. It's like a, a mantra that he has been saying nicely, but this time it just, all the filters were gone from him to soften it. And he just said what he had been saying before, but more truthfully.
2: So let me ask you guys, what do you think the outcome of that is?
0: I
1: believe she's going to pursue this dream one way or another. She said, if you make me choose between you and acting, I'm going to choose you, but I will resent you for it. That'll be a healthy relationship. Yes, it would. And yes, the uh, evaluation in her lucky dress was... Very disturbing.
2: I kind of argue against that in the okay. sense that in acting, you're pretending to be somebody that you're not. Right. Um, just as advertising is trying to get you to buy something that you might not need. Acting also involves people being on the stage and people sitting in the audience looking at you. And you know what? Producers and directors are looking for a type of, They are looking for a long-legged brunette for a part. They may be looking for a short, dumpy-looking person for another part. So unfortunately, part of acting is what you look like or what they can make you look like with costumes and with makeup. So unfortunately, I didn't think that was unfair. I mean, it was awful, but it's part of the job.
0: Well, maybe, but I do think that for her, part of that was a naivete about just exactly what she was getting herself into. I think whatever role she thought it was or what the producers wanted, I think she was going in there with this thing about, you know, my craft is going to be the thing that carries. It's like Don's thing where he said, we don't need that to win the deal. Our creative will be the one that sells it. I don't, we don't need right. all three votes. We only need two. We don't right. need... You to do that, our pitch will win the day. And I think in her mind, she's like, my acting, my use of the craft will be enough. And for them to then objectify her, I think that was a surprise.
2: Wasn't it a big deal made of her wearing her, quote, her audition dress? Now, what is that if it's not a, an invitation to look at what my legs look like and what my body looks like?
0: Yeah, but again, it's the degree to which they were doing it. It's you know, okay. and we didn't even see the end of the scene. I mean, they might have no. said, "Okay, doll, why don't you unbutton the top a little bit just so we can see?" You know what we? You know, just it almost seemed like, "All right, part A, turn around. Part B, okay, do this." And we didn't see part B or C, and we assume, well, we didn't see it. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But it almost seemed like you know that was like the first part of it. That's why again, <laughs> it was just an icky feeling. in this in an episode, it was kind of icky. I would like to talk about, I think a lot of this show, and this is true of any good show, a lot of Mm -hmm. what you expect it to do in the main character, what you think of them and what you expect of them, the kernel of everything can be found in a really good pilot in the very first episode. And of course, Mad Men had a great first episode. Mm -hmm. And the end of the first episode, for me, the key line of the whole first episode is when Don goes home after... You know, he's coming up with ideas for Lucky Strike and he comes home and you realize, you know, he's been seeing this woman. But he comes home to a, a family and you realize, whoa, he's actually married. And mm-hmm. he goes to his tuck in his son, played by a different actor, of course, than what we have now. <laughs> but he goes to tuck him in and he says, I'll never lie to you. Mm. That, to me, was the basis of the show from that point. Because you saw that he's willing to do a lot of other questionable things he'll have affairs he'll smoke and he'll take advantage of some of the people in his office to squeeze some sort of creative idea out of them that he will then present to some but when it comes down to it he looked at his kids or in this particular instance his son i guess sally wasn't prominent at that point and he said i'm not gonna i'll never lie to you he draws the line at that point and i always keep wondering at what point will that come back and be a shining focus of a decision don makes Later in the series. It's
2: interesting you say that because when I saw in this episode Pete it was interesting what they did. They had Pete sitting there reading to his kid. Did you notice that? For just like maybe a ten second clip. They had Pete reading a a fairy tale to his kid and Trudy coming in and looking at him in a very admiring way, of course. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that with Don and his first wife Betty, or actually his second wife, Betty. He's very good with the kids. He loves the kids. He sits in there and Betty has come in and seen him with the kids and approves. I just thought it was interesting that the way they taped that sequence, they first show you Pete reading to his kid and no other dialogue, and then they go to another scene. So Mm. what was that there for? And then they come back to that, and Trudy then comes into the scene again. And he and Trudy actually have a, a little bit of an argument because he wants to get that apartment in New York City and she doesn't want him to. Mm. Um, but I thought that that was trying to mimic the scenes that I was saying about Don and, and Betty, that mm. Don was pretty good with the kids and, and liked yeah. to read to them and liked to play with them when he had time. He didn't yeah. really have much time, but you know when he was with them, he was pretty good with them. So I thought that was another way to mimic Pete trying to be Don Draper. And then, of course, you know, it sets up the rest of the episode and and we see that, yeah, maybe you're right there, uh, Brian, that these men, these mad men wouldn't lie to their kids. They wouldn't be bad to their kids. But boy, would they be bad to everybody else? (laughs) So we see Pete essentially pimping out Joan.
0: Speaking of previous episodes, last time I mentioned that I noticed this season they've been sprinkling in Dawn's past, either through references or dialogue. A character mentioned a hobo. He's been in mm-hmm. the house of prostitution. Mm-hmm. In the previous episode, he was calling back to his days as a car salesman. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an army reference. And this episode, sure enough, Ginsburg comes in to his office and says, permission to speak freely. Mm-hmm. It can't be a coincidence. I think I've seen this. This is the fourth time now where these little micro vignettes of his past have popped up. I don't know what it means. But again, there's small puzzle pieces of Don and we have two episodes left, and I'm wondering what more they're going to possibly show us and what it all means when it does, if it does, come into a full picture.
2: Yeah, yeah you're right. And there's, as we said last week, there's a great many storylines that they could touch on here. Now they've just added another one, and that is Peggy at her new job.
1: I was reading a couple of TV critics' discussion of the show, and so this is not unique to me. But their theory was the real-life experience of negotiations for Mad Men's renewal and Matthew Weiner's contract has played out in his writing this season. The idea of that he thinks of this as art, not necessarily commerce, and there was arguments not about how much he was going to pay, but the budget, how much minutes he had on each episode... How ugly this got out. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: does he feel like he's Joan? Does he feel like, you know, AMC is Jaguar? Is he feeling like Lane? He's having to compromise to pay the piper? Those kind of thoughts.
0: Well, I thought that kind of played out after the end of the second season. when there Was it that when Don said, I'm a free agent, I'm going to go do my own thing? And at that point, that's when Matthew Weiner was looking for a new deal. And I thought that was a time when that most matched reality. I will say that I saw something on a blog somewhere where someone has done a comparison and a theory that this season is mimicking the Sgt. Pepper album. (laughs) And each song, as each one goes along, the track listing is, is very similar. And like the last episode was Lovely Rita, and there's Joan as Lovely Rita. And there's lyrics that match to it. And I ended up reading a couple of the posts about it and you could find similarities to almost anything, but it was kind of striking that there were some interesting uh, parallels there, not just with that song, but some other songs. Maybe I'll forward that link along.
1: I think that should be in the show notes and I think it should be homework <laughs> yeah. for uh, not only us, but listeners, because that yeah. sounds fascinating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so two episodes left. What do you see happening now in the Sopranos? Usually, the next to last episode was the one that was the big one. In most seasons, there was like something that really big happened in the episode prior to the finale. I mean, I can remember lots of ones where key characters either got killed or what have you. And, and it was always like, wow, that was an incredible episode. Do you anticipate? I mean, I, to me, this one was a very jaw dropping episode with Peggy leaving and, you know, what's happening with the firm and they got Jaguar. What do we see? In the last two, do you have any ideas or predictions?
2: Hmm. I'm thinking that they decide to have a really, really sexy Jaguar commercial, and this actress auditions for it, and it turns out to be Megan.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm only kidding.
2: I don't know. I have no idea. That's
1: not a bad plan. Uh, (laughs) I have no idea. I do think we should get the payoff of Lane's embezzlement. I think that's mm-hmm. Chekhov's law, and so we've got to have some kind of resolution on that. We may not even see Peggy next week, but I think we'll see her in the final episode.
0: And speaking of Peggy and Chekhov's law, I thought it was interesting when she, at the very end, went to the elevator, hit a little button, there's the ding, mm-hmm. and I couldn't help but think back to when Don right. was looking down right. the, the vast, empty right. elevator shaft, right. and right. That might be something that never comes back again, but man, you couldn't no. help. It. Not that she was going to like plunge down into the elevator, but you just recalled that somehow. And, and maybe that was the That's foreshadowing you. that like, in some point, Peggy is going to be going down that just as Megan did. And everything's sucking away, away from you. And I don't know.
1: I'm right there well, with I'm... you
0: when she did. I was worried. <laughs> I'm like,
1: Peggy, look, don't keep yeah. looking at Joan and walk in. <laughs>
2: You can also look at this episode, you know, sort of in a, an alternative way, and that is it's things happening with the women that Don respects most, i.e., Joan, the woman he trusts most, which I guess is, or values most, which I guess is Peggy, and the woman he loves most, which is Megan. Yeah. I think we should have ladies' night at the bar then tonight.
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, so I guess that wraps up this episode. Thanks again for subscribing. You can find us on the web at Madcast.net and on iTunes and Facebook. If you look up Scotch and Smokes. Thanks again for subscribing. The bar is open. See you next time. Bye bye.
1: Bye all. Take care.